Welcome everybody to the 26th episode of the Startup Lender podcast. I'm your host Ucha and our guest today is a founder, managing partner and investor Navin. Originally he's from India, but he left his country many many years ago to go to study in France and now he's based in Germany. His inspirational story has been published in many high-profile publications and now he's with us to tell all about his startup journey. So, enjoy. Welcome everybody to the Startup Blender, the podcast about startup life and some other stuff. All right, I think it's working. Let's start. Uh, hello, folks. Hello, everybody. Uh, we're back with a very interesting guest. My name is Ucha, and this is the Startup Blender podcast. And uh, let's welcome our guest, Navin. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. Please, Navin, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What you do? Yeah, um, since we are talking about international, you know, I'm I'm an Indian origin, uh, Germany-based uh, entrepreneur and investor. Uh, so Brown and brought up in India and then moved to Germany. So we have been here for the last uh, six odd years. Uh, my entrepreneur journey started in 2020, 2010, sorry, um, at the age of 25. Um, I founded three companies so far and advised uh, um, 20 plus ventures uh, since then. Um, after working with uh, companies like uh, Amazon, uh, Oracle and Rocket Internet, Um, I went out to build my own businesses. Um, currently, I'm the founder and MD of Group Agilis, um, which comprises of Agilis Advisors, uh, which is our advisory arm. We help uh, businesses and startups, um, let's say, to be smarter about and, and with their money. Um, capital uh, is the investment arm uh, where, uh, you know, we, we do our own investments. Uh, we help businesses, primarily SMEs, on their financial journey and security. Um, the journey is, you know, behavioral, practical, and showered with uh, curated financial advice. Uh, yeah, uh, giving them an overall positive outcome. That's amazing. All right. So you told me that you've been living in Germany for the past five years, and before that, you spent your time in France. Yes. Wow. Where Where in France exactly? So I was initially in Lille. It's a small town uh, north of Paris. Uh, and then for the latter part, almost two and a half years in Paris. That's amazing. All right. Yeah. Um, how would you compare these two countries, uh, Germany and France? <laughs> how is life in both of them? I mean, they're, they're both in European Union, but very different, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I think very different, both uh, as an entrepreneur, um, as a family person, um, as, uh, you know, making networks in this Um, both have their pros and cons, um, you know, enjoyed a lot of things in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, but I like uh, a lot of other things better in, in Berlin. Um, in a nutshell, I think Paris is obviously much more beautiful uh, and, you know, you have fun there, uh, but probably as an entrepreneur and, you know, someone who's uh, so much entrance into the startup world, um, I find Berlin to be a bit more cohesive and, uh, you know, practical. Yeah. Yeah, Berlin is actually one of the biggest startups hubs in Europe. And Paris is also trying to be one. So yeah. it's like a huge, huge competition between these two, which is very interesting. But let's start talking about, uh, so as I understand, France was the first country for you to move in outside your home, home country, right? 
Yes, so uh, in terms of living outside uh, of India, yes, France was my first country. How did this happen? Tell us the story. So it, it happened due to, uh, let's say, academically. So I, after working, uh, you know, for a couple of years in India, I decided to do a sabbatical and do my MBA. Uh, and as part of the MBA, I came on an exchange program. Uh, and that's how I was in Lille, which is an you know, awesome, beautiful uh, town in, in France. Um, it's a university town, so I loved every bit of it. And yeah, voila, uh, uh, what was then supposed to be uh, more like, uh, you know, college studies has now turned on to be a longer, much longer stay. And I've been here now since 2011 in Europe. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now tell us about your international student life. I, I'm guessing that it was very, because me being international student myself, <laughs> Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, it's very different, you know, from the place you're used to. And then you come to the total new world in France, in the heart of Europe. Um, yeah. How, how was this for you? Like, what were the things that amazed you the most? So I think I've been fortunate enough to go to Lille as a student, yeah, because typically it's, it's a university town. And I think I've, I've also been fortunate enough uh, for, for my entire study cycle because when I did my graduation in India, I also did it from a town which is a, a complete university town in India. It is, it is by far the best known university town in India. So I've got that, let's say, uh, luxury privilege or, or fortune to stay in those towns because it's very different. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to say, but it's very different when you have your university in, in a normal city versus when a town itself is known because of your university you know, because everything revolves around that. Um, Lille more or less was that. Uh, it was a very, very student, uh, you know, focused town. Um, I got the opportunity to, you know, mingle around and, and do projects and parties and whatnot with uh, uh, students from 80 different countries, you know, and you don't get that kind of exposure probably. When we were sitting in a single class, I think we were around 90 out of us. Uh, there were people from 32 countries, so in one single class, right? What that meant, obviously, is uh, you, you get an exposure of different cultures right away, especially when you are coming, or let's say when this is your first country, staying abroad, um, you know, it eases things out in the sense of what and what not to expect. Um, normal studies, obviously, uh, since it was MBA, so it's a little more, uh, you know, aggressive and, and so on and so forth. Um, but the whole student experience um, was, was really what I cherish. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting because the same happened to me in Estonia that uh, it was like overwhelmingly international people all around from everywhere. I would meet people from like countries that I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. And I mean, it's so great to just understand their everyday lives, what they like, what they don't, what they're used to. And it's actually, it grows you a lot as a person. Like only that helps you to learn so much that in, in addition, the university studies and in addition, the projects that you're involved in. And that's why I really support international studies. That's, I mean, it really grows you as a person. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And um, so, uh, as I understand, uh, you started your kind of entrepreneurial journey in France, or did it happen in Germany? Or uh, it actually happened in India. Um, so while I was on sabbatical, and uh, and primarily one of the reasons also why I, I decided to do MBA and, and you know 
to get on the other side of the world was, um, I would say, partially driven by my um, entrepreneurial instincts, yeah. uh, because pretty early, uh, you know, in my career, I, I, I kind of understood that this is something that, um, you know, appeals to me more. Um, so when I, when I decided to do a sabbatical, I also wanted to test out an idea in the market. And while I was studying and, and you know, doing late nighters, I used to spend two, three hours building a new product um, because I'm a firm believer of, uh, you know, trying something out before uh, you go full scale on it. See if there is a need for that in the market. See if people want to use it. So typical problem solution fit uh, mechanism. Um, so I used this time, whatever, uh, you know, I could um, during my MBA studies to launch a platform, uh, which was an e-commerce, uh, you know, price comparison. Um, and yeah, we, we tested it out. We saw success. Uh, then we scaled it a bit and so on and so forth. Wow, that's amazing. But uh, you told me that you were doing so corporate in the beginning. Still, the startup mindset, like the companies you named, like Amazon, for example, they still have this startup mindset and, you know, this attitude that uh, people over profit and like they, uh, they really promote this uh, uh, mindset, so to say. But uh, still, like how, how um, when did this happen for you to uh, stop the corporate life and start like a real startup life when you actually start building products from zero? Yeah, so I think it's been very intrinsic to that, uh, you know, extent. From a very early age, um, I've been very curious, you know, and focused on learning the root cause. If something is happening, why is that happening? Um, I used to bombard my parents with, you know, why this, why that. So I was, I was that nagging child. And, you know, if I, if I saw uh, the moon, full moon, why this? And the other day, why is the moon different? And so on and so forth. Um, and probably that uh, tinkering trait has played a role um, in, in making me a problem solver. So that's who I am primarily. People ask me, you know, irrespective of the roles and designations uh, that I've taken, I love to solve problems, um, both large and small scale. Um, no matter what I'm working on, I, I get invested in it to, to have a solution to it. Um, and soon after working, you know, I, I think I worked for roughly three, two and a half, three years uh, before I decided to take a sabbatical and also thinking about entrepreneur journey. Um, and probably that time I realized that uh, there are only a few problems that can solve while you're working for those companies, right? Um, because you get so inquisitive on other things and, and you, you start thinking about how we can solve this. And more importantly, um, I also probably got a hint that uh, uh, you may or may not be able to solve them in a way that you'd want to. Yeah, yeah. very interesting insights, actually. Um, but uh, what would you say still uh, to come down to like your international uh, life in France? What were the major differences for you already as a professional uh, uh, from uh, India to France? What was the transition? I mean, the first transition obviously is you don't get the paychecks, right? So you <laughs> to spend and you need to get back to the student mentality. Um, but um, I think I, I, I quite enjoyed the time, you know, uh, because I always saw it as an uplift to my career and what I was wanting to do. Um, the good thing here was I was able to select the electives that I wanted to, um, and I chose it very specifically to what I wanted to do in the future. So, you know, things related to finance, 
um, entrepreneurship and so on and so forth. So I was learning new things. And again, um, even while I'm working or doing new businesses or ventures, I always look to see while I'm, you know, solving a problem uh, or, or, you know, investing time in it that I'm also learning from that perspective, right? And I think the biggest takeaway on during that time was also, um, you know, the learning curve. Um, the life of a student obviously is much different. Um, and it was also very different from uh, how things are in India, um, culture and so on and so forth. Um, but I think since we were so entrenched within, within the student community, we all understood each other and, and you know, had a good, um, let's say time. Um, it also prepared us or um, what, what, what also helped, you know, is I found a lot of, um, not a lot, but let's say a, a group that were very entrepreneurial and wanting to discuss ideas and so on and so forth, right? So when you are studying in that group or at least irrespective of whether we did something together or not, if you have that group who are, you know, on a constant basis discussing different business ideas, what's going on in the startup world, what can we change, what's not working well and so on and so forth, uh, it, it argues well for what you want to do in the future. Yeah, ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. And uh, that's why, Everybody says that I obviously agree that the most important component when you are building a startup is a team, right? Exactly. It's when you exchange your ideas, maybe you have like a lot of disagreements or maybe you agree with a lot of things, but as long as you click as a team, then that's, that's already like 90% of the product. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Um, Maybe, yeah, we can already start kind of talking about your uh, second foreign country, <laughs> Germany. How did this happen that you like all of a sudden found yourself in Berlin after France? Yeah, so in, in Paris, I was working with Amazon. Um, very good experience, right? I mean, you know, that was, let's say, at a time where I was, again, inching towards doing something of my own. Um, and probably the timing was right to get back to the startup world, uh, you know, bring, bring back my connections there, especially since I had moved from India. So obviously you also need to develop a new network and so on and so forth. Um, and I thought it prudent to first work for a startup before starting my own, right? Um, and um, I don't know how and why, I was not actively looking to leave France actually, but, um, you know, I was approached on LinkedIn by um, one of the HRs of a startup company in Germany. Um, and I thought the timing was right, right? So before I could explore further, I saw that, uh, yeah, um, the, the, um, the company, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a fintech startup in, in, in Germany. They approached me, um, the role was good. It was fitting into what I wanted to do in the future. What's the, what kind of the, like, if you can walk us through like the insights, in uh, joining that kind of startup when it's growing massively? Like what's the, what's the procedure? Like how's the everyday life? Is it like very chaotic, very full of tasks or what's? Um, I mean, I won't say chaotic, but obviously it's, it's less structured and that's how it should be. I mean, you need to have more flexibility of what you want to do and what you do because um, it's, it's, you know, we, we need to be in our, on our toes, right? To, uh, implement things, see what's working, see what's not working. We are not at a stage where 
everything is developed and the product market fit or the, uh, you know, let's say the solutions to the market are already app. So we need to try out different things. We need to be agile, um, you know, seeing what's working, what's not working, uh, where the investment has to be further, where not, how the team has to grow. Um, one of the big challenges, which I think is undermined in the startup industry is, is, is talent acquisition. It's not easy, right? When you are growing, uh, you know, many falls when your team is growing from 50 to 150 to 200 in, within six months, um, it's not easy to get that kind of talent. So we obviously also spend considerable time uh, and of, of uh, uh, you know, amount of time in, in recruitment. Yeah, that's true. That's true, actually. And uh, that's like the, I think, since, I don't know, since, well, from my experience, even for the huge companies, uh, like the recruitment has to be kind of the biggest part of like building something. Either it's still a big company, which is trying to get like a senior role or a startup that is, or just a person that is trying to get a co-founder. Uh, recruitment has to be like the hard, not the hardest, but like the most challenging part in a sense that you, it's all about, it all comes down to people and you have to trust that person that is gonna do something with you in the future. So you have to be like very uh, correct in your decision. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but then how long did you spend in that startup? So around a year, around a year. And then um, I actually came to Berlin to join for a FinTech venture of Rocket Internet. And from there I started my own company and since then, I've been in my in my company. So I said, currently, which we started four years back. Let's start talking about your company. How did it start? What are you guys doing? Uh, who are you? Tell us a bit. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm I'm, I'm the founder and the of uh, Group Agilis. Uh, we have two arms. Uh, one is the uh, advisory arm, uh, wherein we help. Uh, business, primarily mid-market companies um, to raise capital and uh, also then m and needs. So if they are looking to either acquire an asset or sell their assets, um, we help them. We are pretty international. We work uh, with clients uh, across the globe. So we have currently, I would say around 60 to 65% of clientele of portfolio is in um, the dark region or Europe. Um, and then we have Middle East, uh, Africa, Asia, um, including, you know, Singapore, Japan and, and others. So at, at my time previously of raising capital and others, you know, I, I did see the pain point that founders have or businesses have of raising capital. I mean, it's, it's to be honest, it's a full-time job in itself. And on the other hand, when I was, you know, um, with the investors, so when I, uh, you know, uh, took the hat of an investor and then, was more close to that community uh, discussing uh, parameters and items. I saw that um, to, to a lot extent, even they are struggling to deploy the capital, you know? So on one hand, you see good uh, businesses, uh, you know, struggling to raise capital. On the other hand, there's also a problem of deployment. Uh, the closer I looked into it, I, I really found that that's not the only reason, right? There's a difference of, uh, of matchmaking. Right, and that's where uh, we also have a fintech platform that connects capital seekers to capital providers. What they do is, you know, on a very transparent, simple way, you as a business can put in your requirements completely online, um, which is then consumed by our backend systems, uh, which does a scoring algorithm or matching algorithm with the investors, and you know, pitches those ideas of fundraisers to them. Um, or, 
what it does is first of all it makes uh, it very easy in the sense of the process but it also then tries to match you you know n is to one is to n and not one is to one right so typically you don't in, in for example if you look into germany typically uh, businesses have access only to the house banks you know two three house banks whom they can talk and do this um internationally you can almost forget about it most of the smes we have helped in germany don't even have access to um, international lenders which uh, is, is a pity but more than that even within germany you know they are not able to reach out to more than three or five right and what our platform does is the same uh, pitch is is actually gone to i don't know 50 relevant lenders um, to have that to match with them and then um, they can get multiple offers but more importantly they can choose the offers right depending on terms conditions and so on and so forth um, we do similarly for m a both buy side and sell side uh, we are typically helping large corporates acquire smaller assets um, across countries so for example uh, you know, corporates in Europe acquire assets in um, India, we've done in Singapore, Japan, and so on and so forth, and vice versa. Oh, that's pretty interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how long have you been doing this? Um, so we, it's almost four years now. We started in October 2017. Okay. So, yeah, almost four years. All right. And uh, yeah, I think it's very interesting to discuss uh, what were the biggest challenges for you during these four years to start the business from zero and grow to where it is right now. Yeah, so uh, the two things I firmly believe in, right, I've done that also with my first startup and second and also this one um, is listen to the market, right? We can start anything based on whenever we start in a business idea, we do it with some assumptions, right? Obviously, we feel the need and we see that problem. And that's why we try to work on it and do a solution, right? But then we alone or our family and friends alone are not the market, right? Yeah. So you need to validate that. Once you have validated the problem solution, you validate your assumptions, then you validate the market in the sense. So over these years, obviously, we have done that also. We started with few hypotheses, which we thought would be strong enough and worked. Parts of it worked, parts of it didn't work market taught us what it is we were not, we were um, initially only doing cross border then we got a lot of demands within the uh, you know domestic space or the same uh, within eu within germany within dark region so we started obviously um, you know incorporating those as well so yeah i mean in, in terms of um, challenges as i said we, we we try to establish a very good product market fit we go with customer feedback we listen to the customers we talk to each of them all right. So, uh, yeah, as I understand, uh, you are more customer oriented solution, more customer oriented company that is like trying to listen to customers are saying, and then after that, take a feedback and just move on fast. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very customer driven. Very nice. Uh, but uh, in terms of like uh, kind of the building the team and um, developing the product, uh, what are the main challenges to maintain the growth other than like being customer oriented, like technically speaking, uh, what were the biggest challenges for you in that sense? Um, I think one of my biggest challenges has to scale up has been uh, the recruitment. Um, luckily, we have been um, very successful, uh, you know, on the customers or client acquisition side because we grew a lot from word of mouth and, and you know, people talking about us. Uh, for the first three years, we haven't sent a single, uh, you know, dime on marketing, and we grew, you know, more than two hundred percent. 
Um, so th that has been the positive, uh, but yeah, on the growth side, as I said, um, talent acquisition and second is obviously also, uh, you know, managing the expectations of everyone because you also when you grow too fast, um, you have people from different cultures uh, joining the team and, and, you know, managing expectations, ensuring that the culture of the, of the team still remains, that obsession towards customers uh, still remains. Um, because different people do different, uh, you know, fields. There's a back-end team, there's a front-end team. Um, you know, someone else is working on HR and other stuff. So it's also important to keep that, uh, you know, uh, vision of the company intact and keeping the culture in line. So I think when you start as an entrepreneur, right, um, you hear a lot about capital being raised, you know, uh, the VC capital being poured in and so on and so forth. And at one point, probably, you know, you start... Um, liking that or you know to some extent you start chasing that and you perhaps start thinking um, that's a better way or faster way of doing things right um, so at, at one point of time and, and I think this was probably my second startup um, I valued capital raise more than um, to, to, to a large extent more than uh, you know um, having having everything proven in the sense that um, now I'm, I'm much more seasoned and learned and I, I, I really go for product market fit before anything. Uh, but at that time, probably, uh, you know, I assumed that having more capital would give us uh, achieve the results faster. Yeah. Um, I can say from experience totally, uh, I think that that's not entirely correct to a large extent not correct. Um, a lot of those uh, learnings I put in my current startup where I didn't raise a single dime. Um, and we do revenues much more than well, what we used to for any of my previous startups. Um, so also slight advice to, you know, uh, young entrepreneurs or people who are, who are wanting to um, start up and think about it is, um, you know, don't follow money. Money will follow your traction, right? Um, in, in, in my current startup, I've said no to investors, you know when they are wanting to invest. I've, I've, I've had that luxury uh, to, to, you know, or be in a position to do that uh, because I went for traction, right? I went to first ensure that the business model is sustainable uh, for the long term, right? Money cannot solve early stage problems, right? It can solve a lot of other problems and, you know, it can help you scale but it doesn't solve the early stage problems. It will buy you time for sure. So at first, you know, the, the focus should be learning. And that's, that's uh, you know, after, that's, that's, what, that's been one of my uh, biggest learning as well. So yeah, no vanity metrics, only learning curves uh, matter. You have been mentoring in uh, the startup organizations such as the Startup Bootcamp from the Netherlands or EIT health uh, tell us about that experience of your uh, life um, for me um, you know one the, the, the let's say the key motto for me is uh, to get also experience that you learn more as a mentor than you give right so this it, it, it helps me also um, be part of that startup community, the initial hustling phase and, you know, bustling, seeing entrepreneurs achieve what they want to, you know, what I've done in my previous days and go through that experience again and give what I have learned on that part, right? 
Um, in turn, also it gives me, uh, because I'm very passionate about technology and impact, you know. So I want, uh, I always try to, with whatever limited time I get, to be part of, of those trends and, and being, uh, you know, a mentor in these programs also helps me do that because uh, in the cohorts, for example, there are 10 to 12 different startups um, each six months and so on and so forth. So you actually get to interact and touch base with startups solving different problems, some of them related to skin, some of the mental health, some of them, you know, cancer, this, that, so on and so forth. I'm talking more digital health because uh, with the EIT and startup, I have startup bootcamp, I've been with that, but also helped uh, accelerators in the fintech segment, transport, mobility, and so on and so forth. And it just gives you a very good, uh, you know, sense of, of being in that community while sharing your knowledge of whatever you have, uh, you know, experienced so far. I am looking for um, opportunities to invest um, because, um, as you know, I'm also an active angel investor. Um, so these uh, platforms or cohorts do help me get access to uh, some of those, uh, you know, startups where I feel too interested about and learn about their, um, you know, funding opportunities and, and wherever I feel, um, you know, it's, it's um, I, I do part, participate in that. One of my first digital health um, investments have been through uh, a, a cohort or, 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 or um, accelerated company by EIT Health. So definitely from that perspective, it's, it's, it's of help and support. And also they like it because um, you know, it's, it's part of the um, community and eventually, yes, uh, most of the startups do, raise, do want to raise capital. That's great. I think it's already also an uh, interesting topic to discuss. Uh, tell us about your life as an investor. How, how is it, how different it is than being an entrepreneur to already like kind of change the seats and be an investor? To be on the other side of the table, uh, what are the major differences in that? I have been in, in, in entrepreneur's shoes, so I'm very, you know, I have that empathy. Uh, I, I, I totally think from their perspective first than an investor perspective. So um, I may not be a typical investor who, who would have, you know, given you more, uh, let's say, funny or rosy answers, uh, because I still think more like an entrepreneur before than an investor. So I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, empathetical towards that. But in most of them uh, I do, I also offer to see or, or uh, you know, what additional value I can bring in apart from, uh, uh, you know, money. Wow, that, yeah. So you are kind of like uh, uh, offering yourself the mixture of uh, mentor and uh, person that is like supporting financially. And that's, that's I think, what uh, entrepreneurs nowadays are looking for. There are a lot of investors. The market is oversaturated, but uh, they are trying to get like the right money in the sense that right connections, uh, right knowledge and expertise in the field. And then after that, it comes to the financing. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get back to your international life and uh, tell us about the things that you love and hate about living in Germany as an international person? Ah, that's a controversial topic, yeah? <laughs> what I love about Germany is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's so structured and process oriented, right? Anything you want to get done or you want to do, you will find 
um, you know, somewhere explained how to do it. And, you know, the complete process and the structure is there from what I've seen, because we are also in business perspective as well. It's a brand in business. Uh, people, you know, um, trust German brands. Um, I love uh, interacting with the entrepreneurs here. Uh, most of my entrepreneur friends are Germans, are German founders. Um, I get to learn a lot of things from them. Um, I think, especially in Berlin, uh, they're pretty open to mingle also for, you know, after works um, and then so on, parties, drinks, uh, lunches. Um, people are more than happy and willing to network. Um, obviously, I get, um, I get good access to um, uh, startups where I want to invest in. Uh, um, what I hate or let's say what I would love to have it improved um, is obviously the enormous paperwork um, I still don't get the love of Germany for letters and papers and not making it digital and having everything in German which I truly you know I, I do understand we are in Germany and need to know but especially when you are um, promoting a lot of um, international people to come in Germany or immigrants to come in. Uh, I think there has to be some kind of flexibility with that, right? Um, now it's fine. I have a team that takes care of it and all. But when I started my company, I used to struggle with the bureaucracy. Uh, you know, I always was dependent on someone to answer my letters. Uh, my assistant would do it and so on and so forth. Um, I would have loved to have that flexibility to answer it myself, explain them myself, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong, people in Berlin speak English. They all, almost all of them, most of them speak. But when it comes to official work, um, everything is uh, on paper, on letters, and, you know, and, and this. I mean, I've, I've always wondered why we can't just, it's okay to send letters, but why can't you also email us? So, Perhaps that's, that's what Germany is and, uh, and, and probably that's working well and that's why they are so uh, structured and process oriented, but it's just a personal liking um, that I would have, um, yeah, loved to change a bit. Yeah, that, and that's exactly the time when you think about countries like Estonia, uh, fully digital. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, embracing, there has to be an embracement of, of digitalization, uh, especially in the current world. Um, and yeah, and I wish they did more for startups. I hate to say it, but probably, uh, you know, they're not enough is being done for startups. Uh, countries are investing more and more to improve their digital uh, systems uh, on the government level, on the business level, startup level, on the personal level, because yeah, everybody sees that it's working perfectly. Like I saw the article that like around 50% or even more than that, startups in Estonia were founded by e-residents like yeah. that's crazy <laughs> to me that's absolutely unbelievable so but that's that's the primary reason uh, which has put Estonia in the map you know of, yeah. of, of startup community right yeah. yes. I don't think it would have been so exuberant without that or uh, if everyone today in the startup world knows about it we discusses about that even we explored having a structure there and so on which is because of the ease of doing business and you can't ignore that in today's world. True. That's very interesting. All right. Uh, let's move towards to the end of our podcast. And um, I will ask you to the I will ask you the question that we ask to everybody. Uh, and I think it will be very interesting to hear your opinion about this too. So what would be your advice to all the up-and-coming entrepreneurs that want to jump into the entrepreneurship field? 
have their ideas, want to start their startups, but don't know from where to start? The team is everything. So you need to be sure of who your co-founders are, not only in short term, but also for the long term, right? Um, the second is um, validate your assumptions, validate them as early as possible. Uh, because all of us, whenever we start, um, you know, working on a business idea, we work on assumptions. Um, we may, we might have done surveys, which is again, very limited or to some extent, you know, seeing the need in the market. Uh, but it's important to see that uh, there is a problem solution fit. And then later on, there is a product market fit. Um, market, as I said, uh, teaches you the best. So learn from it. Um, if it, you know, it will tell you whether you want to pivot or you're in the right direction, or you should just, you know, change your solution. Um, the third advice I would give is it's, it's good to raise capital. There's nothing wrong in it, um, but don't chase money, but let money follow traction, right? Um, especially in the early stages, um, we tend to think, or we attempted to think that money could solve a lot of our early stage problems. Um, it, it only does a handful of them, right? Because when you, your solution um, that you want to do, I think money is good to scale up and, and growth phase, uh, but initially, uh, you know, it, it can only buy you time. Uh, focus on learning, right? Doing whatever, see um, that your learning curve is on. Um, each day uh, in a startup uh, in a world or a startup founder is sinusoidal. You know, you have highs and lows, um, you really uh, are very exuberant one day, the other day could be low because something or the other doesn't work. Take this as a learning opportunity. See that you're learning uh, with each day and irrespective of whether we fail or success in the long term, um, you know, it, we learn and, and it's always a positive story. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and yeah, that's amazing. But thank you very much for joining. I think it was very interesting to have you in the podcast today. Um, I want to wish you the best of luck in your startup journey. Uh, thank you very much for uh, listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Follow us on your favorite social media and check out the next episode. Ta-da!